0: podcast
1: podcast hockey podcast Welcome everybody to episode 33 of Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are once more here from rainy portland oregon which makes being inside all the more comfortable on the days where it is nice out however i get to see people poop in evan's yard so (laughs) uh, i mean they're still pooping in the yard but yeah but they're scurrying it's not there's no linger no loitering poop it's a it's a fast poop (laughs) anyways my name is jake and as always i'm here with evan hello i'm evan and i don't know how to tell the world this we've got good things to talk about this week it's awkward it's kind of nice our whining is about length of suspensions i was adding to the script last night and i just realized like the first five or six things we're going to talk about are good and so i wrote good things (laughs) we have good things to talk about good things come to
0: those who wait yes i would say the overarching good thing that brings us all together is the nhl playoffs have started and they are a doozy we are experiencing a very entertaining first round that will be over before we know
1: it i i can't wait for, I guess, probably next week's episode for us to revisit our predictions and see how mm-hmm. wrong we were. Actually revisit them? Yeah, but I actually think I'm doing kind of good on some You're of You're doing these. <laughs> real good, yeah.
0: Like, I allowed my optimism to get the better of me, and a couple of mine uh, we'll get into later, but... That's why you gotta be a negative Nancy. <laughs> I mean, I am most of the time. Uh, just have some weird fits of positivity that tend to coincide with when we do this podcast every week. Um, I don't know. It's just a coincidence. Yeah. But um, it's all we have. (laughs) It's been really good so far and fun to watch. And one of the things that's really been bringing it home is the soundtrack that we've been able to watch the hockey to. And uh, it's been novel this year.
1: And by novel, we mean not super white. (laughs) This isn't uh, Garth Brooks. This isn't Paul Simon. This is Bia. And this year's playoff song is kind of a banger. (laughs) I like it. I dig it. It's fun. The original song, which is not NHL friendly or probably kid friendly, depending on what you allow your kids to be exposed to, it's explicit. To. Yes, yeah, it comes with it comes with a parental advisory sticker. We don't give a shit about that. Let the record <laughs> stand: we're not that old yet. Yeah, it's um, not the or, most explicit thing yeah. in the
0: world either. It's not. Yeah, you know, like, but uh, I do like the original music video, which is neon women robbing Voldemort and his rich family in from their mansion. On skates like that's fun i'm all about eat the rich let's do it so
1: (laughs) especially when they're voldemort yeah especially when they're voldemort they're clearly a concentrated evil which is kind of what rich people are Mm -hmm. but if you want to sponsor us uh, (laughs) with your company uh (laughs) yeah the original song is a banger and kudos to uh, the original song has uh, the lyric wrist stanley cup i can teach you how to skate
0: if we haven't said already the track is called nhl skate which is a version of the original track called skate yes um and it's super fun to listen to and i think is bringing an element to kind of
1: highlight videos and and the postseason that uh, is just
0: adding to the
1: bedlam First off, the the song is good. Like, like, let's get that out. And I think we said that already. But anyways, the song is good. It's entertaining. It's fun. The video for it is fun. Uh, It is a big upgrade from any of the Green Day shit. Like, something with a pulse is better than anything (laughs) Green Day has put out in the last like 10 years. It's also not super white. And it's got an edge to it. And it also, it's going to reach a broader audience Mm -hmm. than the nhl normally does and it's it's like the nhl actually thought about hey we would like to make this game more inclusive for like just a second like in between fucking up the tom wilson thing and whatever shit comes next Mm -hmm. they were like they had this really cool moment of inspiration where they were like let's try and appeal to a broader audience like let's bring in voices that haven't traditionally been heard in this game Bia grew up in massachusetts so she it's like she has experience playing hockey in an article on espn i believe she talked that like her sisters or her cousins Mm -hmm. played hockey so like you bring in somebody who actually knows the game but also has you know a different musical taste than the the taste that you normally (laughs) put out for your viewers which is like conway twitty uh it's really great to just see the nhl do something outside of its comfort zone and something that feels like a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah. And for a hot moment in time, you know, we are getting, we're getting games like game one of Tampa, Florida, which was just absolute awesomeness. It was almost kind of a perfect NHL playoff game and you're getting it to the soundtrack. And like, if that's not some semblance of progress for the NHL, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That first game of that Florida Tampa series was just like pure hockey heroin. Yeah. It was
0: give me this into my veins.
1: Yeah. Every day. Three hours of me gripping onto the remote.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely having some like sweaty palms in that game. (laughs) I
1: was gripping onto the remote both out of like anxiety of how crazy that game was and also because i need to mute it every time a mercedes-benz commercial comes on because <laughs> it's twice the volume of everything else on the television is that because you turned it up so you could hear the uh, thoughtful
0: dialogue in the lexus commercials yes god i hate them <laughs> like if you ever I, I think of ways there are things that would make me not want to buy a lexus further and yeah. those commercials are that like ooh, let's listen to rich people
1: opine in their Lexus. Yeah. Or the, oh, the ones where they're talking about like, let's get uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: What is ethics? Yeah. What What is emotion? Shut
1: up, Lexus. You're a nice Toyota. Or the infinity where it's, we are being defined by algorithms. And I'm like a fucking algorithm created this commercial. Fuck you.
0: Yeah, I mean, Infinity's always done that. I don't I guess Lexus has always had this persona too. Whatever. It this the ads annoy me. And it doesn't help that like when you're streaming this, you only get the same four, four ads. fucking ads. Yeah over and over again
1: to the point where i'm doing
0: edits <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in my head yeah like how can i make this ad better for my own quality of life sean McIndo of the athletic the athletic on uh, puck soup always says that you know every shitty like 1-0 or two one game is somebody's first game ever watching hockey and giving it a chance and that turns fans away you know if we can have more games like this game one florida tampa or i mean Game one, Washington, Boston was equally as awesome, or almost equally as awesome. You know, with a good soundtrack, that's going to bring in new fans. And if we're talking about things that, you know, we want to do to make hockey a better place for everybody, that is case in point what we're trying to do.
1: Speaking of bringing new people into hockey, some really great, the NHL actually hired some people. Well, and ESPN, but like. And teams. Yeah, like. Like, let's not get the league credit here. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Yeah, (laughs) these are teams
0: hiring people.
1: (laughs) Let me. Okay, I'll I'll step back. I'll walk back. Although
0: I think the league maybe did hire some people too. Who knows? Who fucking cares? (laughs) Yeah.
1: The first hire that's really kind of inspiring was ESPN hired Leah Hextall to do play by play for their for their NHL broadcast this coming year. Leah Hextall will be the first female to do play-by-play for NHL games in the United States.
0: Which is awesome. It's so cool. I mean, I think some regional broadcasts have had women doing play-by-play.
1: Absolutely. Like the Fox Sports broadcast or, sorry, Bally Sports or whatever it is. But for a
0: national, you know, this will be a first. So she brings a lot of professional experience to play-by-play. She's been in the business for a really long time and uh, has done some really high level play by play so you know i think this is a really great pickup for espn and just gives you a reason for excitement to
1: see where the display of the league is going she was the first woman to call an ncaa men's ice hockey championship game for espn back in 2019 when they did when they had the frozen 4 she's been on the all female broadcaster sportsnet up in canada so I've seen some blowback on Twitter for all of these hires, really, but that they're like, "Oh, well, they're just bringing her in because she's the woman," and it's like, "No, no, like she's legitimately good at her job."
0: Right? She's highly qualified
1: and also a woman. Like, cool. Sounds like a good hire. And also, even if they were hiring just because she's a woman, good, (laughs) because maybe it'll open the doors for other women to get to come through. Like, well, you have to see it as. I would
0: say a corollary of how the league and certain regional broadcasters have brought women into the booth and with some success. I mean, AJ Malesko has been really good. Kendall Coyne Schofield's been really good. Like you know, I I think it's been lovely to hear women's voices call hockey games because you can see like they deserve to be there just as much as the men, and in some cases, bring an element that we've hadn't had before. It's a little bit less kind of stodgy and you know old white men Don Cherry esque. It's a little bit more fresh and accessible.
1: And it's I don't know. I like it. It's just nice to hear different voices Mm -hmm. than the like six that we've been hearing for the last 20 years. It's just nice to hear different voices. You know, we've we've had largely the same three or four commentators for every national broadcast for the last 15 years or so. Let's get new people in. There's there are people who are cutting their teeth on these regional broadcasts or doing games via Twitch or whatever, who are doing a great job of building up their skills and their repertoire. So like, like let's bring some fresh blood in. Like this is awesome. This is going to be one of the best things about ESPN and TNT now that there's two teams covering hockey, you're going to see more people and so mm-hmm. they there aren't enough are there are too many places for them to just be all filled by retreads. We are thrilled to see Leah Hextall come to ESPN and start calling games. It's going to be super rad to see and hear mm-hmm. new voices calling the, the sport that we love. Um, speaking of new voices in the sport, somebody mm-hmm. who has always been around the sport but is... You know, entering in a brand new way. Megan Duggan was hired by the New Jersey Devils to work in their hockey operations department.
0: And Megan Duggan is Team USA, Olympic, great, and an absolutely dominant hockey player who we've actually uh, talked about on the podcast before in one of our very, very early episodes.
1: We talked about Megan Duggan for probably 45 minutes, one episode. Yeah. Or at least like 20 minutes, talking about how incredible of a hockey career. Uh, they had had. Megan is believed to be the first openly gay person to work in hockey operations for an NHL team.
0: I love it. She was an absolute terror on the ice rink. And I can only suppose that she's going to help out a young team in whatever duties that they assign to her.
1: It's the same kind of idea as bringing in Kendall Coyne Sco- Schofield, right? Mm-hmm. You are giving an opportunity to a highly skilled player mm-hmm. to come in and work with your team, work with the operations side. And at the very least, one of the cool things about this is a job in hockey operations can lead to the next rung and the next rung mm-hmm. and the next run. And how cool would it be to see Megan Duggan to be a GM somewhere or oh yeah, president of hockey operations somewhere? Like how incredible would that be to be able to cross that one off the list of, oh, thank God we now have a, a female... GM.
0: Well, I hope she gets utilized in a similar capacity to how Kendall Coyne Schofield has been utilized since being hired by the Blackhawks at the beginning of this season, and that they've just kind of been trying to figure out what she can't do, and that she's just been doing everything. She's been behind the bench, she's been running practices for the Ice Hog, she's been doing color commentary, she's been all over the place. And that's exactly what we're looking for. Cheers to Megan Duggan, props to the New Jersey Devils for making this hire.
1: Yeah, Duggan told ESPN, I'm looking forward to getting to work and adding value in an area that I've committed my entire life to but I also hope people see this and realize there's a space for those who haven't traditionally been in these roles women or BIPOC community members There's a space for that. Times are definitely changing and I'm excited to be a part of it. That comment echoes exactly what our sentiment would be Mm -hmm. uh, with this hire and Leah Hextall's hire. Times are changing and we're getting new, fresh voices and new, fresh faces into positions that are traditionally held by 60-something-year-old white dudes (laughs) with jowls. And it's, it's a great change and we're thrilled to see it continue yeah
0: we are here for it uh, in the same vein the rangers have hired mike greer as a hop- hockey operations advisor mike greer one of the great black players in the nhl in the last couple of decades always a favorite of mine
1: so mike greer and chris drury played together at boston oh okay boston university god they must have been awesome and, <laughs> right and somebody was like oh this is just chris drury hiring his buddies and it's like yeah, when you have your first job in, of this scale ever, you hire people that you trust. Everybody also, does that.
0: Also, everybody in the NHL just hires their buddies. That's how it works. Yeah. French royalty of the 1500s to 1800s can't hold a stick to the nepotism of the NHL. Like It is just the same 30 to 60 old white men. And so that's why we cheer You know these types of hires, because it just makes things more interesting and modernizes the game.
1: Much like those French patriarchs, there's probably a whole bunch of people with web toes in the NHL. <laughs> I don't know if either of those are true. We get to guillotines later when we talk about Department of Player Safety. Yes. <laughs> Put your toe in. <laughs> but yeah, awesome to see Mike Greer, one of the guys that I think as as a younger as like, you know, in my teenage years when Mike Greer was playing. I ended up rooting for just because it was like, holy shit, there's a black guy playing hockey. Like, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, he at one point was the most visible black face on the ice, I think, right? I mean, I just, I guess when I started really sort of getting into hockey as a kid, he was playing huge minutes and, you know, was a visible gregarious force on the ice. So super stoked to see him play a a bigger role now for hockey ops in what will be a pretty interesting team to watch. Is there a more soap opera-esque season than the New York Rangers 2020-2021 season in recent memory? I can't think of one. I don't know. They're season was insane. And so bringing in Chris Jury and Mike Greer to fill one of these open positions is
1: awesome. Also in hiring news, and granted, this is just the hiring of another old white dude, but at the same (laughs) time, he's one who is extremely qualified. John Davidson went back to Columbus as the president of hockey operations there. Which is a great pickup
0: for them. I mean, they're obviously going to be retooling. So let's get a mistaken cast off by the New York Rangers and and bring him back in.
1: I saw on Twitter, John's daughter said the only job he would have ever left Columbus for was New York. And so coming back to Columbus is like coming home. That's also somebody who, you know, when you're recruiting free agents and whatever, who you have somebody who actually has a love for the area. We talked a couple of episodes ago, I think, about how Columbus isn't exactly a destination for free agents, uh, for for a certain type of free agent. Mm -hmm. But if you have somebody who can, you know, opine on the positive for... (laughs) A city and can say no no it's actually really cool you know that's kind of the same thing we saw with De- Steve Eiserman in Detroit everybody who signed was like I signed here because Steve Eiserman sold me on this and you know these these cities that aren't on the coasts in one of the like major markets those c- cities are finding it harder and harder to sign players mm-hmm. and, and having to pay more and more for them in these instances it, it helps to have somebody who has a real love for the team, the organization, and the area to, you know, help with that recruiting pitch?
0: Here, welcome to Ohio. We hope you will love to play for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Consider here the beauty of the Buckeye
1: flower. <laughs> Eat the poisonous nut that <laughs> we wear around our necks as if it were gold. <laughs>
0: Let us visit Cleveland, so you can see how obviously inferior it is.
1: <laughs> Let us—all of the sea cities belong to our state: <laughs> Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Catulito, Catululito, Catululito. I would go to Catululido in a in a heartbeat. <laughs> It's it's a great hire for. uh, I'm just
0: imagining how much of an upgrade to Toledo would be over Toledo. Toledo is
1: it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it is fine. Now that we've established that John Davidson going to Columbus is a good thing, we can get on to the thing that is the thing that Columbus is not a part of. Thank you for that, Torts. Thank you. As we watched you submarine the career of Patrick line and the playoff hopes of (laughs) of Columbus for the last time, we are in the throes of the NHL playoffs, which is the best thing ever. I think I think the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs are the best thing ever.
0: I specifically like the first round because you just get playoff hockey every day for a week and a half, two it, weeks. It's like, intravenous. And it's spread out a little bit more this year because of the late start for the North.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get the same amount of games for probably like a week in round two as we would have gotten in round one. As Evan was saying earlier, The playoffs have been great so far
0: yeah and that's even on the back of some of these a lot of these series being a little boring as we talk today we can pretty much declare three quarters of the series over the
1: outcomes of the games have been kind of boring or like how quickly these series are going to resolve themselves has been kind of boring but the hockey has not been boring except for maybe vegas minnesota that was well let me refresh. The first game to probably two games of that Vegas Minnesota series were super boring.
0: Well, I, there were a lot of chances. The goalies made a lot of really good saves too. But yeah, it was what one nothing. You know, there was a lot of kind of. I think it was game. Back, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it was game two where I texted almost everybody I know who cares about hockey about how shitty that series was. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so fucking bored. In no sport is it so much more obvious that you're in the playoffs than NHL hockey. Oh my god, yes. You watch a regular season game and it's got some action, it's got some excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a physical game. It's an inherently physical game, so there are big checks, big every check is huge in the in the playoffs. Every shot like puckers your butt and like <laughs> makes you jump off your chair like because the stakes are so much higher and like you win the super bowl and they give you the lombardi trophy and you almost throw it into the bottom of a bay in tampa (laughs) you win the stanley cup and you parade it around if you are alex ovechkin you have the time of your life with a trophy not people a trophy you drink beer out of it have threesomes with it copiously you know, it, it, uh, it's my favorite time of the year. Going back to what Evan was saying about these series largely being over, it's totally true. Like most of these, even by the end of the day, we're recording on Sunday as per usual. By the end of the day today, we could see several of these series actually be over.
0: Starting with, I'm gonna skip ahead here, but Colorado St. Louis. I mean, that will probably be over by the end of the day. Colorado's up three nothing. They
1: look unfucking stoppable. The only reason these games haven't been seven nothing, twelve nothing is because Bennington has actually played pretty well. He has, yeah. Uh, to his credit, he has
0: put an obviously inferior team in the realm of maybe winning a couple games i mean they're up one nothing right now they could easily steal this game today and i wouldn't be surprised but this series is in the work of in the words of spike from portlandia over
1: (laughs) (laughs) i've watched every game in this series mostly because when i want to watch pretty hockey i watch colorado
0: yeah they're amazing they are simply amazing on ice I could watch just an isocam of Kale McCarr, like it, like he was Zenedine Zidane in that art movie that like, was copied with the Kobe movie. He's a beautiful skater and an amazing heady hockey player. And you could write a fucking master's thesis about some of the decisions he makes in a split second.
1: And how he moves his hips. Oh yeah. Those hips tell all the lies. I, I could watch him just patrol the blue line on a power play for the next six years it's it's unreal how good he is he breaks ankles like an and one basketball player and he's not even the best player on the team watching colorado is just it's it's watching poetry it's mm-hmm. watching poetry with a hint of brutality <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> maybe if you turned poetry out of hardcore lyrics If you did a spoken word of a Converge album, album (laughs) that's what you get here. You're watching people at the a team at the height of its powers just kind of steamroll a team that won the cup two years ago. A team that is on paper a very good team. Yeah, they struggled this year, but they also ended the season on a tear and rightfully got themselves into the playoffs. And then they met Colorado, and Colorado just said pushed the no button over and over (laughs) and over over again. Yeah,
0: they are cruising. And one wonders if they'll even miss Nazem Kadri over these next seven, eight games as he's been suspended for a dirty head hit on Justin Falk. So you're telling me Tom Wilson got suspended? <laughs> no, uh, apparently George Paris's machine stuck and Tom Wilson's games didn't come out of the vending machine until Nazem Kadri was at the machine. So he got stuck with Wilson's games.
1: So Tom Wilson got suspended. Nope. That's a negative ghostwriter. Pattern is full. You're you're saying no, but what I really think you mean is, yes, Tom Wilson
0: got suspended. I mean, he fucking should have been, but <laughs> instead, yeah, Nazem Kadri got eight games for what is a bad hit? And he has a history of bad hits. Qadri's hit was suspended. Absolutely. Eight games is Seems a lot. Like a lot. What we would have rather seen was Tom Wilson get one or two games and Qadri get like five. Five,
1: five or six. I'm glad that the Department of Player Safety came down on a hit that thoroughly deserved to be suspended for. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Nazem Kadri has been suspended in the playoffs alone. I believe <laughs> twice.
0: It's like it's fucking automatic. Like people were making jokes about Nazem Kadri getting suspended in the first round and then it manifested itself. Oh, man. that yeah. Just poetry.
1: After last year where he was like a perfect gentleman the entire playoffs and everybody uh-huh. was like, he's a changed player. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Then...
0: <laughs> Now he's a violent gentleman. And he gets to go see George. Maybe he can get a
1: signature deal.
0: Yeah, I know. Like The cadre if line. you If you get enough suspensions with George Peros, does he sign you to rep his brand of clothing literally called
1: fucking violent gentleman? Oh, like his his boy, Jamie Ben, who he didn't suspend for trying to break. Beautiful D- Dylan, Dylan Larkin. Yeah, perfect baby Dylan Larkin's neck. It's so weird.
0: You spin the wheel of the Department of Player Safety and you find out what you get. And I guess you get what you get. I mean, half of me. Wonders if Colorado is going to tank a couple games just to eat off of his suspension. But the reality is, they have forwards coming out the ass. Like they have New Hook coming up, and, you know, he can. He can do most of what Nazem Kadri yeah, does. Yeah, they
1: have JT Comfer. They have right. Soderbergh. Like they, yeah,
0: they have a legit Tyson next Jost. man up. Like, yeah,
1: they have some people. <laughs> yeah,
0: they, they aren't going to miss him however long he is out into the next series. Who do we think they're
1: going to play in the next series? Oh, it'll be Vegas for sure. Like that yeah. series is toast. We, we I'm t- willing to call that series. We talked about how boring it was a little bit ago, but... You wrote in the notes that Minnesota kind of threw the first punch. and oh, They Vegas, threw their
0: best punch. Yeah,
1: and Vegas absorbed it. Yeah, you got a master class from Cam Talbot in game one. Mm-hmm. 40, I think 40 save, shutout. And honestly, Talbot played very well in game two as well. I would say all of Minnesota is...
0: Playing very well. Vegas is just that good. And Minnesota won the first game and then went up two goals in the second game. And then Vegas said, okay, it's time to turn it on now. And then they did. And Mark Andre Fleury. I was like rolling that arm. Mark Andre. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury looks unbeatable. I mean, Cam Talbot is playing out of his mind, but Vegas is just better. You know, you have Alex Tuck who can just go Alex Tuck sometimes. Riley Smith is starting to make an appearance after kind of being hidden all year. I'm willing to de- declare this series over, even though it's probably less over than. Most of the ones we're going to talk about immediately after this, you know, Minnesota should be proud of this season, even if they get bounced from this round, like they're going to be a playoff team for the foreseeable future. They really found something in Kirill Kaprizov and he's... For the most part, delivering in the playoffs, Vegas is just the Borg. They will they'll take a bad hit from your phasers, and then they will recalibrate, and then your phasers won't work.
1: This series feels like it's over. I could see Minnesota winning another game, making mm-hmm. it go six, but for I sure. think for the most part, Vegas is in control, and this is without Max Pacioretty. So mm-hmm. if he is able to come back, watch out, watch out, Colorado, and yeah. what everybody wants to see. Just for the pure grace and beauty of it is that Colorado Vegas series, and at full force, it feels like it's coming. Yeah, we were. It was a little bit in doubt, especially after Minnesota
0: took Game One. But you can tell that that Vegas is just turning it on, and
1: Minnesota could easily steal another game. But uh, but that's what it would be. It would be stealing a game. Mm-hmm. meanwhile so we talked about this uh the west uh out east we'll just jump from coast to coast because nobody cares about the innards <laughs> the boston and washington series also feels very much like it's done
0: yeah i thought it was going to be more competitive after the first couple of games but you can kind of see washington's heavy hitting in that first game now all of a sudden they like can't catch Boston's forwards to hit them. You can kind
1: of see Boston's like creativity and speed taking over a little bit. Watching games three and four, it has felt like Washington ran out of gas.
0: Yeah. And and like, where's Anthony Mantha? Like Ovechkin is out there doing his best. And I mean, playoff Ovechkin is a thing of beauty. I would say that team is a little shell-shocked right now. Part of it is their goaltending situation cannot be driving confidence into any of those players, be their big and see, they can't keep up with Boston. I mean, like- it- They're old.
1: I don't want to like fall into some ageism trap, but when you have a team that is largely built on the backs of people who are 30 plus, who have gone deep into the playoffs every year- For the last what five six years, Mm -hmm. that's an extra season or you know season or two's worth of games that you're piling up, and that's that's a lot of wear and tear, and especially with the grueling pace that this season was, Mm -hmm. with very few days off, very few practices, right, little recuperation time.
0: Yeah, you kind of see Washington hitting a little bit of a wall here, and just yeah, they can't they can't kind of keep up, and like also out east, Pittsburgh.
1: And the Isle are putting in a doozy.
0: Yeah, this series is very much not over.
1: And You know, in typical Barry Trotzian New York Islanders fashion, the hockey isn't the prettiest. The Islanders took games one and four, Pittsburgh taking games two and three. We talked in our last episode about how... The Islanders may have figured out Tristan Jari uh, Mm -hmm. by shooting on his, let's say, less developed glove hand. Yeah, he led in some pretty embarrassing goals for an NHL goalie. And that has continued. Uh, They just haven't been able to execute the shoot on the glove hand play as much as they would have liked.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably on a a strategic. It's probably a a strategic strategic adaptation by Pittsburgh to limit shots from that side.
1: Yeah, in one of the games, I think it was in game four, uh, Matthew Barzal came in down the right side and on Tristan Jari's glove hand, and they show that Jari was way overplaying his glove side and leaving his blocker side open, and Mm -hmm. Barzal went for it and hit the post. The commentators pointed out that seems to be because of the fact that jari has been beaten glove side so many times oh yeah and and so that that is a a continuing storyline of that series another storyline is that varlamov is out and sorokin Mm -hmm. got the start for game four varlamov looked in game three he looked incredible and then awful like there he had some unreal saves but then the some of the goals he gave up were just bad goals one he just stared down and didn't react to and it was like what the hell it was like he broke for a second (laughs) his controller just kind of ran out of batteries for a minute i i still think pittsburgh might take this the Mm -hmm. kind of the flip of the script that i really didn't anticipate though is sorokin playing yeah and playing well like sorokin he's 25 he's played in the KHL playoffs for numerous seasons so he's battle tested he's got that playoff experience um but I just didn't foresee Varlamov getting yanked and mm-hmm. or playing to the point where he would get yanked so with Sorokin coming in and playing really well that's kind of a game changer for me you don't know what that a hot goalie in a playoff series can always flip things up on it on its end so Edmonton Winnipeg it's over. You're calling it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a call by Mr. Evan. Uh, I Mr. Mean, Evan.
0: Winnipeg has won two games with fringe NHLers, just completely shutting out Connor McDavid and Leon Drysail and Leon Drysail. And they're getting their good players back. Like it seems like Connor Hellebuck is winning the battle of Connor versus Connor. This game is. This series appears over unless Connor McDavid. Can find another level that he hasn't had through two games. I mean, like, you would think he could turn it on at some point, but he hasn't.
1: This is the only series that I have actually watched zero minutes of.
0: I've watched a decent amount, and Winnipeg is just playing in a way that we didn't really think that they could defensively.
1: I said. I wasn't, ex- I wasn't excited for the Toronto-Montreal series, <laughs> and then I watched it. And, and was that like, was nah. a lie. <laughs> I was like, oh, ah, fuck. <laughs> now I'm excited. Uh, yeah, the, the Edmonton-Winnipeg series, again, I haven't watched any of it, but if you shut down two of the f- three or four best hockey players in the world two games in a row, to the tune where the team only scores one goal. Mm-hmm. We saw this throughout the year. I think the XGF for Edmonton with either Dreisidel or McDavid on the ice was like 66% or some some absurd number. Mm-hmm. and That's then expected with, goals for. Yeah, with anybody else on, it was like 38. Which is... Uh, 50 is 50 is average average so if you are below 50
0: you are taking goals and if you are above 50 you are giving goals for the uninitiated yes
1: and so at 38 y'all are bad <laughs> y'all are real bad y'all are real i'm going to
0: declare this over
1: again i haven't watched a single second of it so i'm going to defer to you but however if i reserve the right to say wow evan that was a silly thing you said there uh in the future if you're wrong sure i'll i'll eat crow <laughs> is the toronto montreal series over
0: Oh, absolutely not. It is just getting started. Talk about a drama-filled series in two games. That first game was both a buzzkill and a pretty incredible game in that Tavares getting knocked out with a horrible accidental injury. It seemed like it just kind of zapped Toronto. And those teams are a little bit more evenly matched, I think, than we thought they were going into the series. Montreal is showing that they have the depth and they can hang around. I'm still sticking with my original proposition that toronto wins it out but yeah toronto uh, montreal is going to be a
1: little bit of a sticky team in this we saw a good Carey price in game one and we saw a good austin matthews in game two uh matthews had a tap-in goal that it is technically a tap-in goal but the degree of difficulty on that tap-in goal was pretty high and also being in the right spot that's what makes a good goal score above
0: skill and the ability to shoot the puck it's being in the right place to shoot the puck in the net. That's
1: really what makes Austin Matthews special, in my eye. He also had two assists, and I think the highlight of the game for me wasn't any of the goal scoring, it was... I forget who the defenseman was for for Montreal. It might have been Chiro. Ben Chat. Yeah, it's Chat. Yeah. And he's just like kind of tossing Matthews like a rag doll and Matthews is just laughing the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, it's
0: so funny. I loved it. Like and yeah, apparently Don Cherry didn't like Austin Matthews. He thought he should have been more angry and pushing back on Ben Chat. And it's like, "No, that was the fucking way to do it, man." He was Just embarrassing Ben Chirot. Like, what is this joker doing to me? He's just squirming and laughing.
1: Does he realize how much better I am than him? I'm surprised Don Cherry didn't say he needs to be more like a white person and less like an indigenous people's person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, May he rest in hell. So John Tavares knocked out with an incredibly scary injury that we wish happens to no hockey player ever. But unfortunately, being a professional hockey player playing at the speed that they do, this is an unfortunate and infinitesimal yet real risk to any player. He absorbs a really big hit. He's kind of scent sprawling and just happens to be scent sprawling in a way that puts the back of his head directly in the path of Corey Perry's knee. Corey Perry's knee hits the back of his head. That's all she wrote. John Tavares, you know, seen unfortunately to his family and fans struggling on the ice. Yeah,
1: really scary for everybody to see tough for everybody to see considering you had to see it over and over and over and over and over again if right. you watch sports watch the game cast on SportsNet or if you watched it on BC it was like hey guess what we're going to show this horrific accident hundreds of times
0: yeah it was shown ad nauseum and i understand you know there's some value In having to show it somewhat so people know what happened, can clearly see that it was an accident and not a malicious play by Corey Perry, and also see the human toll that we don't talk about in hockey very often. Yeah, TSN and some of the Toronto news organizations really took it to another level and kind of an exploitive level, just showing the hit over and over again. And then showing, you know, really bad shots of him struggling to get up or bleeding on the ground or whatnot. And just showing like terrible headlines like Captain Crunch and shit like that. And it's like you could have shown him on a stretcher giving a thumbs up coming off the ice after this horrible injury. And you chose not to. You went with angering, sensationalistic angle and And pissed off a lot of people. Chief amongst them, Kyle Dubas, the GM of... The Toronto Maple Leafs, who rightfully came out in the media and chastised certain media organizations for their covering of this accident.
1: I think you're right that Toronto just didn't seem to have its playoff gear after that. No, and nor would I. Seeing a teammate get injured and not
0: being able to play, like, that sucks. Seeing a guy put into mortal danger and then carted off on a stretcher and you don't know how he's doing in the hospital. You know he's gone to the hospital, but, like, it's not like you're getting updates on the ice. And so they put a good face on it and like really kind of rallied at points, but you could tell just didn't have it after a little while.
1: Yeah. And Montreal wins the game on a beautiful goal by Paul Byron. (laughs) What what a hell of a goal. Paul Byron is getting tripped
0: and goes top cheese from his knees on penalty kill. Absolutely masterful single effort on his part. And that stood as the game winner. Like, How amazing is that? It sucks that the Tavares injury overshadowed such an amazing performance like that in this game. And really, the Tavares injury overshadowed the entire fucking game. Like, let's not... Tavares coming out, releasing a statement that he's feeling better, and then them coming out and saying, this is a concussion issue. There's no neck or spinal injury, which, I mean, you saw the hit. You think... This guy could be dead. No doubt about that. Or, you know, this guy's career could be over and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. It looks like it's going to be his helmet mitigated the issue and he's got a really bad concussion and will be able. I mean, I would suppose he might be able to resume his career,
1: but they've said two weeks. He's that's bullshit. He's well, they said the concussion. He's also got a knee injury from the fall. oh really yeah so the the initial prognosis is that he should be back within two weeks Mm. yeah i mean concussions are always wonky we'll see Um, i would
0: be three i would bet on three or four but yeah professional athletes
1: who knows this series looks after watching game two i could see toronto just winning out and making this just a five game series absolutely but i this montreal team is really good like they're yeah uh, Josh Anderson looks like a madman he's been playing really well. Tyler Toffoli
0: looks awesome and you know surprise Jasperi Cook Niemi is actually good at hockey. Yeah. Oh, gets healthy scratched in game 1 and comes back in game 2 to be a force. You know, the best thing the best thing
1: that the North Division can do is finish their first round series up fast so The gap between them starting and everybody else starting closes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's
0: better off for you know Toronto to finish off that series quickly and then you know get a little rest and recovery before the next round. In the Tavares injury madness, there were some kind of interesting and heartfelt moments. Um, You had the GM Kyle Dubas, you know, kind of seeing this, and you you see him process it on live TV, and he's like running downstairs to go be with John Tavares, and it's like, oh, it's kind of cute. Also, Corey Perry. And John Tavares are friends, apparently. Like real friends. Yeah, like off ice. Corey Perry has history of being, you know, kind of a gritty to dirty player. Been a, you know, sandpaper guy on multiple teams. But in this incident, accident, he was clearly trying to get out of the way. And his eyes are on the puck and the play. You could talk about the original hit that sent Tavares sprawling being sort of gratuitous. But it's a hockey hit. He's finishing a check. Corey Perry's knee was not in there With malicious intent. Corey Perry's been scapegoated by some people in the media, but you can tell that that's just, you know, anger finding its way out.
1: In the post game interview, you can tell Corey Perry is visibly shaken by the event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was anything malicious in that. It's just a shitty happen. It's like when somebody gets cut by a skate blade nobody ever tries to cut somebody with a skate blade but sometimes people get upended and that shit happens Mm -hmm. how often do people get kneed in the head in hockey very rarely unfortunately in this case it was at about as maximum velocity as possibly
0: could kind of what i wanted to get at is this very interesting and strange fight between corey perry and nick felino that follows because apparently nick felino Approaches Corey Perry on the ice and says, hey, let's finish this now. This obviously wasn't purposeful, but that's the captain. We got to fight it out. And they did. And you can tell, like, neither of them really had their heart in it. Like, Corey Perry's just like, fuck it. Let, can we get this over with? And Nick is like, barely trying to hit him. It was very kind of strangely performative. I don't know. It's like the, the the quote unquote, the code drawn out in farce.
1: That's it. No, that's exactly what it was, is it was performative. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to do this. It's expected.
0: And like, kudos to Felino for not really going over the top with it. Like, he just did his job and Corey Perry kind of did his job. And I don't think there's a whole lot to read into it, but it, it was just very curious.
1: Yeah. And I am somebody who thinks that fighting in the NHL is fine. I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to it. But if you think fighting in the NHL is fine, you should probably not be happy that this fight happened because it's just more ammunition for the anti-fighting folks when you see like this this fight just didn't need to happen
0: well and also it was super interesting and a lot of people had a lot of hot takes about it like oh this is the code it has to happen but it's like no it doesn't have to happen i see why it did happen it was kind of silly but i understand
1: yeah i'm not upset that it happened i'm not aghast that it happened it's just like okay if it had
0: to happen i'm glad that neither of the two parties really were all seemed to give a shit yeah. all. like
1: yeah it's like oh okay we did the, the face punch thing now we can move on i will say this if that's what it took for them to be able to move on in this series good i'm glad it's right. over yeah if that's what it took to throw it under the rug yeah. like fine it just felt performative but you know if it served a purpose cool
0: so while you were sleeping. This Carolina-Nashville
1: series went from
0: over to spicy like southern barbecue. I think this just goes to show how razor thin the margin victory is, even in a seven-game series in the NHL playoffs. Because two games that could have gone either way, one goal, overtime games, just going Nashville's way evens them up in a series that they were pretty much out of after dropping the first two to Carolina
1: yeah if Carolina could just avoid going to double overtime they'd be fine (laughs) it'll be interesting to see a couple of things one does Carolina turn to one of its more veteran goaltenders Mm and
0: Elkovic looked really really good for a couple of games and now has had a, a couple games I don't even think he struggled I think it's just Nashville's found a way to get pucks past him. If I were Rod Brindamore, I would probably bring Mrazek out for at least a game. I mean, he's a veteran goaltender. He's pretty dang good. He can get hot. You know, Delkovic has played a lot recently and with good reason, but Mrazek was only probably not the starter in these games because he's been hurt and hasn't had the opportunity to look good. Delkovic is a rookie, and he has had an amazing rookie season, but They've got to know that he's going to hit a rookie wall somewhere. I think he trot Mrazek out.
1: They're both quality options, but you've watched Nadelkovic give up four goals two games in a row mm-hmm. to a team that has had difficulty scoring goals. This Nashville team could be both Dr.
0: Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They have looked like shit. In this whole season, like we wrote them off on the season. I think we did like an LOL Nashville bit at one point, And then they've come storming back after like March 15th. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what to expect from them. I mean, they're getting their depth players are scoring. They're. Stars are kind of coming out of the woodwork at the right time. And UC Saros is looking really good behind him. So uh, I don't know. We keep writing Nashville off and they keep coming back. So maybe that's the story. But Carolina looks good in these games. They still have the weapons. They still like they could turn around and run Nashville out of the series, I think, at any given point. So
1: also stadiums and arenas have sta- have fans now. And mm-hmm. I think we might because Nashville has always had a really imposing Oh, yeah, home ice advantage Mm -hmm. and they have I think they were at like something like 60% capacity or something like that today. They had a they had a lot of people and we saw the same thing in Carolina Carolina ran Nashville out of the building in those two games. Mm -hmm. They get to Nashville and Nashville has a bunch of people in their stands and they didn't run Carolina out of the stand or out of the building at all. But they did end up winning two games. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you are any team in the NHL who hasn't played in front of fans all season and then you go into the playoffs into a building that has been notoriously hostile and is that it's probably a little bit of a wake up call or not a wake up. call? It's probably uh, like I'm not a big like fans in the stands makes all the difference kind of guy. But for playoff hockey, it. It just might. And oh, yeah. So, it totally makes a difference.
0: I think I'm still on Carolina winning out.
1: I, I, I think so too. Carolina has clearly been the better team. In the two games that Nashville won, Carolina was still the better team. Mm-hmm. They just didn't score as much. Right. And for whatever that means for you. But I think Carolina ends up winning this game. UC Star- or this series, UC Saros hasn't been great but he's been very good Mm -hmm. Uh, he had 59 saves today which is what a lot well double overtime still that's a lot of (laughs) saves to only give up three goals and yeah that's bonkers yeah so you know maybe they bring in Mrazic as a steadying veteran calming presence mrazik has looked excellent in the games that he's played this year he just hasn't played a lot because he was injured for most of the year so who knows? I, uh, Rod Brindamore, Rod the bod, he'll be, <laughs> he'll pull the right strings. You know, maybe they switch up a couple cause they've got Jake Gardner just sitting on the bench. Like, mm-hmm. like maybe they make some changes there. Who knows? But I think Carolina still has the edge in this series and I think we'll see that play out. So not very far away. We have a true war being fought.
0: In the Florida Man series. At once, what was so beautiful is now not. <laughs> it's going to come to an end pretty quickly. I am de- I think it, we can declare this one over, yeah?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. It might not be in Game 5. It might go 6. Mm-hmm. Game 5 is back in Sunrise, and Florida played a lot better in, in Sunrise than they did when the series went to Tampa. Okay. But there was this great article. It was like, have the Panthers figured Vasilevsky out? No. The answer is no. <laughs> no, they You won one not. game. No, you haven't. He <laughs> won one game in overtime. No, you have not figured Vasilevsky out. They're
0: scoring at a higher rate than I sort of thought they might. But I mean, let's just kind of recap what we've seen so far in the Florida Man series. I mean, the first game was just chef's kiss. It's Amazing. an all-timer. Yeah, if you were going to show someone that you want to be a hockey fan a game, you probably just put on a tape of this. It was, you had all the scoring, all the hitting, all the drama from the, the first minute of the game. You had fans back in the stands for the first time in a long time. And I don't know, it was a sight to behold. It just felt like, hot damn, we have playoff hockey and we are happy to be here. But there was so many hits of... Good and bad variety.
1: Sam Bennett got a boarding call and got a one-game suspension. Ryan McDonough should have gotten a boarding call and probably a one-game suspension. Yeah,
0: I don't know how that was just a two-minute penalty with no supplemental discipline. Yeah. He boarded the shit out of Anthony Duclair, yeah. and they were right to call it on the ice. Nothing. And Is Ryan McDonough sponsored
1: by Violent Gentlemen? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Nikita Kucherov is back. Yeah, And... He has nine points in four games.
0: Yeah, with a vengeance. Man, how did he come back not only full strength, but like somehow better, maybe? Because he's been playing
1: hockey <laughs> for two fucking months. <laughs> he's just been wearing a non-contact shirt or whatever. Like and, and I let's I just want to say I am not one of those people who are pissed off at Tampa Bay for gaming this system. The rules yeah. are there. They are playing within them. I think it's hilarious and awesome. Good job, Julia Brizois. You you should probably win GM of the year just for this gamesmanship. God, that would be hilarious.
0: How pissed would all the other GMs be if the you NHL- GM of the
1: year? The <laughs> NHL is just like, no, look at what he... He sat Nikita Kucherov for an entire fucking season. He wins. I think we said this in the playoffs last season in the episodes that nobody will hear. <laughs> I didn't realize how brilliant of a passer nikita kucherov is mm-hmm. he is an exceptional passer he's one of the best goal scorers in the nhl and he's also one of the best passers it's unreal that little touch pass to Braden point in game one where Braden points just sitting in front of the net and just kind of like brayden point doesn't even get all of it and it still deflects into the net yeah
0: their power play is just immensely dangerous it's just pick your poison uh you get kucherov from the right or you know okay you cover him up oh guess it's stamkos for the left okay you cover both of them up guess it's open in the middle brain point like you know he is deadly from that kind of bumper high slot position and then oh yeah there's also some really good defensemen back there too that can score so you know someone said something about florida's penalty kill being bad and it's like no tampa's power play is just that
1: good i said i think i said tampa and five yeah and we're probably looking we're like we're probably that. looking at that especially if vasilevsky has another game like he did the last two or last one it honestly looks like florida realizes they're up against an unstoppable force too because if you watched game four it was just ugly like it yeah they're
0: kind of being forced to to take shots at people it's unfortunate i don't like to see it and i wish they would stop
1: like we had game one, which was this beautiful, like the best of hockey expose, mm-hmm. and Florida realized they couldn't win that game against Tampa, so they've turned it into kind of like a sludge fest.
0: There were bad hits in game one, but they were hockey plays. Now we're seeing a guy we like, and Anthony Duclair, like take shots at people, slashing them horribly you know behind the play with an it probably an intent to injure. well
1: behind the play with yeah. clear intent to injure they don't need to be doing that lose with grace it's just things that they're extraneous mm-hmm. you know like and especially considering what we saw in game one seeing the just kind of dismantling of that beautiful series mm-hmm. has has been kind of hard to watch
0: but is there anything more florida man than that
1: what we might see is we might see some retribution against Anthony DeClaire yeah. and maybe Patrick Hornquist. He might be a wanted man. Well, we talked about this when we were talking about the, the Corey Perry, John Tavares situation where Nick Felino was like, hey, we just have to do that. The, the smartest thing Florida did in game four, in a game in which they were thoroughly dominated, I thought, was not play Anthony Duclair for the last like five or six minutes after he gets out of the box for that penalty and just sitting him down for his, his own safety. For his own Witness safety. Witness protection on the bench. It's not like Florida or it's not like Tampa has like these huge bangers or like guys who are going to punch face all day, but they do have Patrick Maroon. They do have Luke Shen. They have guys who yeah. can do it. Tampa was ready for
0: Florida's best and is now probably also going to play down in the dirty trenches with them to uh, some degree. I think we're going to see, yeah, as you said, some retribution. You got to know that John Cooper is saying, we have two or three more series to play. Don't take a suspension that you can't afford. Don't do anything stupid.
1: Never go full cadre.
0: No. <laughs> So we'll see.
1: I really hope game five is more like games one and two where we saw that beautiful, flowing, fast, frenetic hockey that is the game that everybody who fell in love with hockey fell in love with Mm -hmm. instead of this like muckraker, muddy, troglodyte hockey.
0: Yeah, it's like 1990s playoff hockey.
1: With that being said, yeah, this series is over. I do not see Florida reeling off three in a row Mm-mm. to take this one back. I think I said before or in our playoff preview that in this series, we'll see that Florida is actually a long ways away. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that. Like, oh, absolutely. Florida is a very good team who had a very good year, and justifiably so, they're a great story for this season. They ain't Tampa yet. And no. And Tampa is – I mean, Tampa is a machine built for this. It looks
0: like Spencer Knight, their prospect and uh, first draft pick of several years ago, is going to start in place of both highly paid Sergei Bobrovsky and regular season darling Chris Dreiger. I'd like to see it just because I want to see Knight play and see what they've got in him. Let's see what
1: the kid can do. Watch him come out and blank Tampa in Game Five, and then every and then you know, maybe the, these hot takes from this week are out the window. But they can maybe steal another one.
0: Florida has it in him. They have enough talent. They have the coaching. Like it's possible. I think it's pretty unlikely. I think you called it. Gentleman sweep in five, I think. Yeah. And I think that is more likely than Florida drags it to six.
1: The moral of the story for all of this, though, is that playoff hockey is fucking awesome. E- Amen to that. <laughs> it's so awesome there were times when I thought we might not even fucking make it to this. So like the fact that we yeah. got here and we are having fans in the games, like that game, the games in Carolina and Nashville were loud. Like it was unreal how loud it was. And I, for how many people were in there and, and, I'm just thrilled to be able to see playoff hockey with crowds.
0: Even with, you know, a quarter, half, 60, 75% of fans in the building,
1: you can still get the effect. With that, I think, like we said, we only really had good things to talk about. Yeah, I think we got some more hockey to watch. Go watch some hockey. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. If you want to reach out or view like whatever oddities we put on the internet including spray-painted army men you can find us all over the internets at handsomehockey.com is our website Handsome Hockey Podcast on instagram at handsomehockey on twitter or you can email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com we've also got a facebook page that you can check out
0: yeah and obviously you're listening to us somewhere but we are on spotify apple google Amazon Stitcher, tune in, overcast Red Circle, and uh, occasionally on YouTube. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Stay handsome, everybody.
0: Restez beau tout le monde.